Welcome to the Beginner Audiophile Show, where we bridge the gap between the clueless big box stores and the snobby stereo shops. Every show is filled with gear reviews, commentary, and interviews aimed to find out what makes a real-world difference in your listening experience, how to get the most bang for your buck, and frankly, how to begin experiencing your music the way it was intended. And now your hosts, Patrick Norton and Michael O'Neill. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Beginner Audiophile. How the heck are you? It's Michael O'Neill here, and I am currently not joined by anybody. But I'm told that Patrick Norton will join me when he is darn good and ready. So until that happens, you're stuck with me. But that's okay. I have kind of a fun show um, uh, put together here, I think. We're going to talk about a few things. Um, Number one, because it's very timely, we're going to talk about how to listen to high-resolution music on your iPhone. Uh, how to listen to high-resolution music on your iPhone, which is not... They don't make it incredibly easy. They do complicate it uh, a bit. Uh, I'm going to talk to you about a project I'm working on right now, which is a uh, DIY audio rack for amplifiers and such and gear. And I'm going to review the Marantz SR... uh, The Marantz SR8012, which is their flagship AVR receiver. And I've had that sucker in my living room for a couple of months now. And finally, uh, get to a couple of your questions before uh, we, we kick you loose. So that is what the show is going to be. And uh, like I said, hopefully Pat will join us sooner than later. But in the meantime, I will just start cranking through this stuff and, and catch him up when he gets here. All right, so I'm going to jump right into this thing. Um, I think because it's topical, I want to talk a bit about... The iPhone as a as a music device, and here's what's weird about the iPhone is that it's it's physically well you know the brand new ones are out by the way. Um, it is one of the best sounding uh, smartphones out there. The bummer about all of it is though, is that they don't natively support high-resolution audio. And what that means is you can't, even if, even, if you, uh, even if you figure out how to get, you know, good music downloaded on your computer and that kind of thing, um, if you're using the internal DAC, the internal uh, digital audio converter, you're, you're limited to 48 kilohertz. So that little lightning uh, adapter that you get, the lightning to uh, 3.5 mil adapter you get with your headphones, if, if you use that, it's limited to 48 kilohertz. So that's a total bummer. And it doesn't play native FLAC files out of the gate, which are the high-resolution audio files. So <clears throat> it will play MP3, It'll play AAC, which is um, their uh, better version of compressed audio, Apple's better version. Uh, it'll play WAV files, which sound pretty good, but they're giganto file sizes. Um, it will actually play, technically, physically, will play a FLAC file, but the software won't. Um, it will play, it'll play an ALAC file which is their own 
Apple's own lossless uh, compression. Um, it's a more iTunes friendly, and it will actually um, play DSD. But but um, they will do. Let's see. Um, so they will do. So those, I, I take that back. So the, those are all the file formats. What it will do is MP3, AAC. ALAC, Wave, and AIFF. Wave and AIFF is crazy because they're gigantic files, which means that you're stuck with either the two compressed versions or Apple's own version of compression, which is not great. So what do you do? Well, what you do is you get an external device of some sort to bypass Apple's hardware um, or the software rather. So in, in my case, I have the AudioQuest Dragonfly Red. You can get the AudioQuest Dragonfly Black uh, if you want. But there's also like the Cirrus Sound Key. Let me see how much that Cirrus Sound Key is. Um, and then, Or you can get the Chord Mojo, which is another really cool device. The Sound Key is, is it 100 bucks? I forget. I'll have to look at it. Um, it is, let's see, this is great pod. Sorry, guys. I wanted to see if I had said how much it was. Um, yeah, I don't know that off the top of my head. And I can't, well, I don't know why I can't see it on here. Let's see. There's no price. Let me check Amazon. The Cord Mojo is awesome, but it is... Uh, I think five five hundred seventy nine bucks. So it's like a, 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 a quite a piece of kit to get these high res files uh, on your phone. And the Cirrus Sound Key, I do not see. But the AudioQuest Dragonfly Red is one hundred ninety nine dollars. The AudioQuest Dragonfly Black, it, which is, I don't want to say it's like as good. But it's pretty darn good for $99. It would be, put it this way, if I, if I had to go back to paying for everything all the time, which I don't at the moment because of this show and it's kind of awesome, um, if I had to do that, I would get the Dragonfly Black. And the really cool thing about the Dragonfly Black is it'll tell you what the, um, like they all will actually, they all have ways to indicate how you, um, the, the resolution of the file you're hearing, which is really cool. So let's, let's, uh, let's go back then. We've got some sort of external DAC. So let's just call it the AudioQuest Dragonfly Black for now. It's $99. Yeah, it's easy. Unless you want to spend a ton of money, which you can. You can get the Cord Mojo. You can keep going up that food chain, and you can definitely A-B test them. But if let's say that you're just beginning and you want to just hear some cool stuff, Let's say that you get the AudioQuest Dragonfly Black from Amazon on Amazon Prime or something, and it's at your house, and you're like, what do I do? The next thing you have to do is get the uh, camera adapter, which I think is 30 bucks. That's the, um, the, light, the lightning connector into your phone, and then it has a USB, uh, regular USB uh, port uh, on the other side. So what, what happened is the Dragonfly would plug right into that. So you get the... Uh, you can get the camera adapter. You can also get that camera adapter that has the power, uh, the power plug in it from Apple, so that you can actually listen to your music and have your phone charging at the same time, which is a miracle. So, the next thing you have to do um, is get an app. 
on your phone that will um, that will play high res files. And so for this, there's a great article on What HiFi, which is a, a great website. Um, and I'm going through some of their article on on this uh, iPhone, and they tested a whole bunch, but they really like the app called Vox. V-O-X, V is in Victor, V-O-X. It's free, and it will play your iPhone library, SoundCloud, Spotify, um, and all of your other, um, your, your, your high-res files, which is super cool. Um, the second choice was the Onkyo HF player, O-N-K-Y-O, H-F, um, the bummer about that one is that you have to pay like 15 bucks or something to I unlock the, the high res part. But I don't know if you listen to high res files and you, you want to, you know, you want to dial in your music. I don't think it's that crazy. You know, if you're going to be, if you're someone who travels and you don't want to bring an external device around, you don't want to like have to muck with it. And you know, when you're on a flight, you don't have, you can't stream your title or whatever. And even if you can, it's still going to be limited to that, that, 44 unless you have the the adapter. So I think the hardware side is the no-brainer. But to be able to have your own music that's in high res on your phone that you can listen to whenever you want, and you don't have to worry about downloading it, and you don't have to worry about streaming it. It's just there. Uh, I love that. I think that's the deal. So Vox is the one, and then the Onkyo HF is the other. And what you would do is... You have all your files on your computer, and you have to turn on um, uh, iTunes. You got to open up iTunes, and then you basically are going to be um, you get you get a file that you point towards whatever app you're using, and you just have to drag your high res files into that into that uh, folder, and then it just syncs with what you've got, which is super cool. So. I think um, I think that's the move if you want to do it. And it's going to sound great, you know. You, you break out your headphones. Right now, my, my go-to are the uh, Biodynamic Avento. Uh, they are Bluetooth, but I, I can wire them if I want to, if I really want to dig into some really great sound and just kind of disappear in the music. Uh, they're about 500 bucks. I've reviewed them on this show before, not too long ago. And I love how flat they pack. They're, they are the pricier, fancier version, the less pricey, less fancy version. And the ones that we tested also earlier on the show are the Audio-Technica M50X. They're $150. I like the blue ones with the brown. They also fold flat. They should just live in your suitcase or in your you know backpack or your messenger bag because that's where mine live. And... You know, I, I like the idea. If you want to, you can run them Bluetooth and, and be on the move and not have to worry about it. Or you can wire them up and listen to high res. You know, uh, there is a Bluetooth adapter for the Audio-Technica M50s. They just kind of clips onto one of the ears and plugs into the headphone port. Or you can use that really cool device that I can't remember the name of um, off the top of my head right now. But um, we just reviewed it a couple shows ago. It's this tiny little guy, and it clips onto your headphones. Uh, I'll have to get back to you on that. But it actually sounded really well. It sounded great as well. So you can you can basically make any set of headphones wireless. Uh, so if you have a favorite set that have been kicking around for a while, you can do that. Let me see if I can find this thing. Let me pause this, and let me get back to you on that. 
See, this is why you need a Patrick Norton on the show with you, so you don't have to have a brain. But uh, I don't remember the name of the darn thing, and I can't find it. So, um, but if he pops on, I will. <laughs> I'll make sure to ask him. Anyway, the point is, you can make any set of headphones. Uh, you can make them wireless, so you can have a favorite and and dial them in that way if you want to. And um, I don't know. I think that that uh, those two are probably my favorites. And I love the idea of being able to use the phone and just dial in the uh, dial in your high res music with uh, Vox or with the Ankyo app, uh, which begs the next um, not point, I suppose, which is when I got my iPhone, I have a seven plus, and I'll probably end up getting the ten the ten s because it's the same exact uh, size. It's just a bigger screen. But the I think the big part of that is that. Um, Get the get the most space you can on your phone. So, like, if you can afford it, I've got the 256 gig one. I'm not even close to to filling that thing up, and I've had this thing for like two years now, and I shoot a ton of video with it. So, oh, that's so funny. Patrick um, is on, and I've been on there for we like go. Minutes. Hi there. You really? Yeah. Why didn't you text me? <laughs> Sorry. I thought I did, but apparently it didn't go through on Facebook. Oh, that's really funny. All right, you're on. We're officially still recording now. And I'm sitting there holding you're, this. I'm like, oh, my God, he's going to hate me forever. <laughs> that's so funny. All right, well, Patrick, welcome to the show. Um, the Blue Wave Get, thank you for that. I could not think of the name of the darn thing. I see you there. Yeah, you are holding it right up. I have it sitting in this house somewhere. Um, anyway, Patrick, welcome. I'm talking about getting uh, high-res files on your phone, your iPhone, specifically iPhone. And um, the and sort of going through the process of it, I'm I'm looking at a, a article from What Hi Fi that's right. going through it step by step. And I mean, it's so funny. You look at the picture of this, and it's just all. <laughs> it's like you got the headphones, you got the dongle that holds the Audio Quest Dragonfly, then you've got this thing plugged into your this into that. And it's just a bunch of stuff. And you want to just go, Apple? Would you mind just oh, letting us play? High-res files, and can we have a headphone port? That'd be great. Yeah, a headphone port would be great. I mean, I've, I, it's, it's funny. I actually am just now finally testing an uh, AudioQuest Dragonfly Red for the first time. Oh. And it's, it's a little incremental improvement over the black. Um, if you have some really – if you have some headphones that normally takes like a, you know, diesel truck to drive, if you have some really brutal headphones that are super high-ohm rated or super difficult to drive, then it's, it's much more obvious of a difference. But – yeah, I'm, I'm sitting there, and I, I, part of the reason I ended up with this this Moto G is uh, this uh, Motorola G6 is because oh look at that it's if I hold it at the right camera uh, you can just barely see kind of that it's still got a volume control. Oh wow, cool! You're on, so you're, yeah, you switched to an Android not long ago. Yeah, and it's 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 been interesting because you forget how you can control everything in Android, which is fantastic. But there's stupid stuff like when I go to change the volume in title um, using the physical knobs because there is no actual volume slider in the title app in Android, and it changes the ringer volume. <laughs> so, right, right. And then you go to like, and then it won't switch to the title control. So I'm actually like, oh, there are volume applications to allow you to control uh, the volume in your Android phone without bursting into tears. Um, you know, so it's like the, the flexibility on it's kind of awesome in some ways. Um, and kind of, you know, it reminds me of Linux in some ways. It's like, you can control everything. Unfortunately, you have to control everything. 
Right. Um, it's the it's the yeah. triple adjustable race shocks for a race car, which are yeah, you can you can adjust anything any way you want. The bad news is you can adjust anything any way you want. Yeah. And you're not an engineer. So it's like sometimes keeping it really simple is is really yeah. good, is the key. Yeah. Maybe you should just turn laps and find the, the apex of the turn rather than doing half a lap, screwing your shocks around. Right. Doing another two laps on, or like another half a lap on three different curves, deciding the shocks are wrong, adjusting them again. Remind uh, me to send you a picture, by the way, a couple of years ago at this event called the Rensport Reunion, which I'm going to again uh, this weekend. The Porsche had their um, RSR prototype there. I, guess, I, guess, I suppose this was just after. So they had the 919, and then they had the, the new RSR. And I took a picture of their shock. I, I don't even know if shock is the right word to call it anymore. Um, right. This space-age device that was holding the wheels up and flexed it. <laughs> because it was like, I, I suppose there's double adjustable and triple adjustable. And then there's whatever these were, which were... GPS based and they would change ten they would change compression and rebound depending on which corner the driver was hitting, which that's, is a different That's the world. dream if you're like Michael Schumacher, right? You're a machine, is to be able to automatically adjust the um you know suspension for every single curve because everything else curves different. That's right. And it's I'm I'm laughing because I'm I'm I just got uh, Odyssey's Mobius their gaming headset in, and I was laughing because they have all these different uh, EQs you can put into it, and one of them is like footsteps, so it's optimized to bring whatever frequencies they think footsteps are. If somebody's creeping up behind you in a video game, so you can hear them better, or one oh, wow. designed to isolate the gunshots. And uh, that's kind of cool, actually. It is kind of cool. Like but the, the the idea that they would think about that yeah. is kind of cool. Well, I think it was also one of those things like, well, we have this feature. What can we do with it? And it's like, okay, if I press this button seven times, it puts me into this mode, and it does that to the audio. Right. Um, but it's it's funny. So you said, do you actually travel with HD with with HD audio? Because I don't even bother. No. Because I figure I'm never going to be anywhere where it's actually going to be quiet enough to enjoy that. If stuff. I'm on a flight, uh -huh. and I and I want to listen to some tunes, and I know I'm going to work or something, then I might. But I'm not a guy that. Um, <clears throat> I don't sit with headphones on and 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 critically listen to music right. very often. Um, but I do it with 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 speakers. I just don't do it with headphones as much. That makes sense. Do you? Yeah. I mean, a lot of places. Once I get to a certain point where the 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 audio and the you know the headphones are good enough that I'm not going. Oh my God, the bass on this is so atrocious. Or you know what I mean? Like, you know, I, I was laughing because I, I I tested um, like a, a one more uh, uh, active noise canceling earbud versus some Bose active noise canceling earbuds versus some regular earbuds like Anamotix, um that block out noise in other ways. And laughing wasn't the right word, but you know, I really enjoyed that negative 30 dB on the Bose. Um, for listening to audiobooks or for just blocking out the noise of the airplane. Yeah. But as soon as I played music, um, the bass was so bloated and the highs were so uh, right. you know, turned up. I just couldn't, I could, like, it was just completely took all the joy out of the music because all I could think was like, oh, God, this sounds awful. Uh, I, I just listened to my one more, you know, earbuds and it blocks yeah. out 99% of the ambient yeah. sound and it sounds really good. So that's what I do. 
it's it's amazing like you know people spend it and, and i it's certainly if you're like i know guys who work in server rooms where the ambient noise level is like 96 db because there's 11 million fans from 11 million computers plus the hvac system pulling in. right and like you know eight 12 hours a day that'll do permanent hearing damage right. so for them like having active noise cancellation or some really serious earplugs like anemotics or earbuds that are really over the top with the ceiling like the anemotics is fantastic but um yeah, I mean, I, I, I was, I was trying really hard to find some high res tracks. I've got a friend of mine who's going to send me some, and he says like a being some of his music. Like he says, it's amazing the difference between the the CD audio, the Red Book audio, and and the HD tracks. But hmm. um, well, I'm going to do this. Time, I'm going to do this this whole process I just talked about. Yeah, I'm going to do it on my phone because why not? I have the space. <laughs> I've got the files. I've got all the gear. So I want to try it. Like I want to check it out, and it does seem like. Even though it's a bit of a workaround, it does seem like the best way because we're not we're not everybody. There's going to be people right. that want to listen to you know beautiful high resolution classical music or something while they're working or doing whatever, and they have an iPhone and they want to carry around a separate device. So, you know, uh, so yeah, there you have it. Um, <laughs> I've obviously commandeered the first 15 minutes of the show, but um, do you have? <laughs> Do you have, and by the way, this is Mr. Patrick Norton, at Patrick Norton on the Twitter and uh, the Instagram, the uh, f- former or current screensaver. I don't know what you guys are doing with the screensaver, but current uh, tech thing uh, co-host uh, as well with, um, you know, and, 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 and you just, I don't know, uh, tech, tech, tech thing, pundit. Spelled with a K and, tech uh, pundit. AV Excel, which is the home theater and audio show I do with Robert Heron. Robert Heron. Uh, fellow yeah. screensaver. Uh, true. Well, kind of. I, he was the last guy I hired into the lab before I went full time on on the screensavers. But uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. I, I got uh, one of Cambridge Audio's like they're almost entry level because I don't think they sell the Topaz AM1 in the United States, which is their ultimate stripped down amplifier. But I got uh, looking at Cambridge Audio's Topaz AM5, and uh, I'm looking for I'm looking for some entry level amplifiers to recommend uh, to hmm. people. And it's it's been interesting because. How it's, entry level uh, is entry level? Yeah, you know what? Entry level is better than most people give it credit for. No, but like, uh, how entry level are you talking financially? Bucks. How many? Uh, Two hundred bucks. Okay. Um, you know, there's some some Chinese imports I'm going to take a look at that are uh, available, like on Amazon or or uh, uh, I can't think of the name of the. Uh, uh, I like you know that you can get on like Alibaba or Amazon, um, and it's it's interesting because some of the stuff that's being imported, especially by parts express is actually really good. Yeah. Um, the, uh, and it's also because in some cases, these, uh, like class D amplifiers are much better than people give them credit for. I'm pretty sure this Topaz AM five is a class AB amplifier. Yeah. And I take it back. It sells for like 200 bucks. Um, so, you know, what we should do, I think this would be fun. We, yeah. we talked about this actually with the Cambridge audio people, but to take a pair of speakers that people know are great, like right. let's say the, um, the AS sixty ones, the the uh, Elax, they're they're new, very nice. Uh, I, w- I don't want to call them bookshelf because they're bigger than a bookshelf speaker, but they're not a tower. But we know they sound great. Uh, I've heard them sound great, and it'd be fun to do a little thing with a two hundred dollar amp, with like a thousand dollar amp, and with a five thousand dollar amp, and right. see, you know, of the same power. Well, it, and that's where it gets tough because, like, when you when you look at you know, for example, um, I'm trying to remember what my primary, um, 
My primary amplifier is a, uh, boy, I can see the thing and I can't think of the name of it, made in North Hollywood. Um, and, and not uh, NAD. ATI. Yeah, no, it's an ATI amplifier. ATI, ATI, right. 1202. And I want to say that probably sold for like 1500 bucks new. Um, you know, I picked it up used on eBay. They're built like tanks. I mean, I literally, I am convinced that the ATI, because they, they, they do literally build their stuff in, uh, in uh, uh, North Hollywood, California. And I have this sort of mental image that uh, there's all these little old ladies that used to build jets when the, you know, all the jets were still built in, in LA and they all ended up assembling amplifiers for ATI because you open up this thing and the build is amazing and everything's super overbuilt and the components are really burly. And um, it's a phenomenally, it's like, you know, it's a window pane. There mm. is, you know, you know, turn it up to 100%. There is no noise. I mean, I, I want to say it's specced out at something ridiculous like uh, 0.005 uh, uh, dB, like THN over. Like it, it's, it's, uh, let me pull it up because like it's ridiculously clean. And, hmm. uh, um, and so when how- you look at that, I was going to say, when you, when you look at that, it's, you know, when you're listening at moderate volumes at first couple watts, most amplifiers, uh, most, you know, even, you know, moderately priced amplifiers are pretty good. It's when you turn it up to 11 that things start falling apart. <laughs> Is that really it, though? Or does it does it feel like – I remember when I put an amp in my, my Honda Civic and I put this right. Eclipse, you know, 100-watt amp in there. I remember thinking, wow, even at lower volumes, this sounds so much better. It sounds so much bigger than it did – from the factory, like sure. seven watts well, per channel deal that I was running. There's a bunch of there's a bunch of measurements in there, right? That that Cambridge, it's funny because just to be kind of nice, that Cambridge Topaz, that entry level amplifier that they make. Um, the first thing I hooked it up was a set of uh, yeah, one hundred ninety nine ninety nine dollars. It's like a twenty five watt per channel into eight ohm amp, and they don't specify what it'll drive in four ohm. And you know, a lot of what happens is is when you start getting into you know, burlier, not necessarily more expensive, but, you know, amplifiers that maybe have a, a, a more powerful or burly design. It's not so much that they are more wattage or that, you know, uh, it, but that it can actually drive a more significant load, like a, a more difficult load, like a four ohm load. And that's when you start looking at stuff like, you know, this, this ATI, um, this ATI 1202 that I've got, it's, uh, you know, 140 watts at one kilohertz at eight ohm, eight ohms. Driving a four ohm speaker, it's two. It'll drive 220 watts. Uh, and if you do like full bandwidth power output, i.e., like 20, 20 hertz to 20,000 hertz, which very few companies actually measure and publish, it's still doing like 120 watts into eight ohms and 180 watts into four ohms. Mm. So it's you know it's uh, um, it's uh, you know. Not only is it is it it's really powerful, but it's super super clean. Like the total harmonic distortion is less than 0.03 percent at full rated FTC power. So full bandwidth from like when you have basically 20 hertz to 20,000 hertz or whatever the full measurement is, um, you're getting like 0.03 percent total harmonic distortion. So you know you can literally turn this thing up all the way, and you are not going to get any additional noise. You're not going to get any additional distortion. Um, you may be turning it up so loud that you're hearing all the noise off of the preamp or the source, 
um, which is something I find particularly painful when I'm playing around with certain turntables. Um, but uh, it's it's interesting to look at that because I, I I think you're right as you as you step up in amplifiers, you get the ability to drive a more difficult load, um, and it'll do a better job with a lighter load. Uh, I was thinking about that because you know this for an eight ohm set of speakers um, or something that's stupid efficient like these the mini lures I attach it to these uh, Tecton mini lures are super simple, incredibly efficient. Um, I've got a tweeter and a woofer and a fairly large enclosure, and I want to say they they're spec'd out at like 95 dB for the sensitivity, um, and uh, they're really easy to drive. I've driven them with like you know the reason I own those is because I built this super inexpensive what they call the Amp Camp app for DIY audio from the DIY audio forums. It's a Nelson Pass design. Um, it's designed to be you know it's designed for people who've never built an amp to to build an amp without electrocuting themselves. Uh, as silly as that sounds, but you know, this speaker is incredibly easy to drive. And because of that, it sounds, you know, this amp sounds fantastic with that speaker. Um, you know, if I was using that, you know, $200 Topaz amplifier, that AM5 on a desktop with a set of ELAC Unifies, it still sounds pretty good. Um, but when I put the ELAC Unifies in a living room and start turning it up to like punk rock levels, um, <laughs> you know, then, then you start to see where the Topaz, you know, is kind of running out of breath. You know, it doesn't quite have it for that fourth quarter. It's it's right, uh, um, but you know, it's they also didn't design it for that. It's it's not a you know two hundred watt per channel amp that's designed to you know have no distortion at, at full load. Um, no, it's probably like you need to power something small, and it's it, it's not maybe for critical yeah. listening as much. I think I think it, for critical listening, as long as you're not trying to replicate. You know what I mean? As long as you're not trying to replicate being at third row in a Rage Against the Machine show or, you know, being seventh row center in front of, you know, the Berlin Philharmonic, I think it's going to do a fine job. Um, and I, I got to be honest with you, I was listening to a bunch of stuff. Um, oh, is that you or me? <laughs> There's football, like uh, like one of my favorite songs to listen to, uh, Amber Rebarth's uh, uh, not Novocaine, but there's like some Amber Rubarth stuff. And it's her and some acoustic instruments, John Craigie's I Am California, um, where it's super simple music and uh, really, really well recorded. Um, it does a phenomenal job. Hmm. Um, it sounds really good. It would be an excellent starting amp, um, you know, for just about anybody. Um, what's, you know, uh, where it gets tough is when you start getting into more difficult, like I said, when you start getting into speakers that are like four ohm or six ohm rated, like those ELAC Unifies are rated as six ohms. Um, I can't remember what your paradigms are rated for, the big ones in your living room. I think there's still eight. Yeah. Yeah, there's still eight. Um, Novocaine, that's the one I was trying to think of from uh, Amber Rebarth Sessions from the 17 Ward. Okay. Uh, but I have... Soundstage. I have... Um... I suppose to dovetail into this amp conversation. Do you remember uh, at Cedia, you and I stopped by the, um, I think you were with me, the Morantz Denon yes. Polk booth. And one of their guys had put together this audio rack that was mm -hmm. like rack porn. It was so beautiful. The wiring that this dude did uh, behind the rack was so beautiful that I'm like, Oh, I need one of those. So they had one of those at uh, uh, AudioQuest had something like that going on in their booth. Oh, just so rad. So what I decided is I have this Emotiva XPA5, and I have two of these, um, those NAD amps that are those big burly amps. Um, yeah. And I thought, well, why don't I just make a little rack 
for those. And so I have all this furniture that I've done in my my own house that I've made, and it's basically out of uh, stained birch plywood. <laughs> and so I ordered all the the racks. I ordered like thirty. I want to say a thirty inch pair of uh, rack bars, and I ordered um, the you know the, the associated hardware. And now I've got that, and I've just gotten the wood uh, yesterday. So I'm going to make this cool little box. I'm going to put it on casters, and I'm going to put this rad little LED light underneath sure. so that when the amps are on, it's like a whole presentation, which I love. Nice. Um, and I need to get some ears for my Emotiva amp so that I can put that in the uh, fray as well. But in I'm, I, yeah, I'm still, I am uh, six point, I am two channels short to run my full Atmos system. With the amp. So I have an XPA5, and then I have four more channels. So I have nine. I need 11. Actually, do I need 11? I need 10. What do I need? Seven? Actually, maybe I could do it now that I think about it. Well, I may be able to do this. 11, and then the subwoofers are all self powered. I need, uh, you know what it is? I'm down because I'm only running six. I'm running mm-hmm. six because I'm running one, uh, a, a center channel for my surround back. So I'm actually running 6.2.4. <laughs> so I need 10 and I have nine. I have nine channels. Um, so close. And yet so, so close, close and yes. But but I think if I could maybe pick up another XPA5 uh, and <clears throat> then maybe use one of the other, the NAD amps for, you know, like a two-channel setup somewhere mm-hmm. or run them as monoblocks because they're big bomber rad, you know, amps right. would be fun. Um, but it's the big DIY project that I'm working on now is just getting that set up. And I think it's going to be the first official beginner audiophile uh, YouTube video. I'm going to set up a little YouTube channel, and I'll, I'll go over the whole DIY build of this amp rack, <laughs> which will be fun. Um, and then part B to that is I'm going to make my own XLR cables. Nice. Have you done such? No. Yeah. So there's a few. There's a well, few. Well, I, uh, I I've, I've built XLR cables to use for recording equipment uh, and studio gear. Um, I've never really done it. I don't use XLR for any of my stuff in my home theater or, or my audio equipment. Um, it's another whole thing, but it's balanced versus unbalanced. And yeah. the higher so you go up on the food chain of of uh, this audiophile world, the more balanced cables you see, which would True. be the XLR style. And I will say in our very anecdotal testing we did, wow, did they sound better than, than RCAs. It depends it was, a lot on the length of the cable. Okay. And how noisy the environment is. Well, I was just using, um, uh, we were just using uh, regular microphone cables that I had sitting around. And when we used the Sonica DAC and we plugged in, because it has uh, the ability to do XLR out, it was like a profound difference between the two. So... I thought, all right, well, I have the ability. All my amps do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I might as well just make a bunch of cables. So you can get, I think you pay about a buck a foot. So I can buy 100 feet of uh, cable. And that mm-hmm. will give me a little more than 20 XLR cables. I, I could do 25 at four feet uh, if I wanted to. But I don't, I don't need quite that much. So if I did like three <laughs> feet of cable, um, right. I could pull that off pretty easily. So... That's going to be my plan, and I'll just learn to solder a little better. You know, I'll be a soldering kind of guy. Oh, dude, that I can help you with. I know all the soldering. I know oh, all you do. the solder. <laughs> dude, you know all I the own, solder. Is I that owned, true? 
here's how big a nerd I am. I own three different butane powered soldering irons. And no way. All right. So then, then why don't we, uh, then maybe I will come up your way and we'll do, we'll film a little soldering, uh, sesh and we'll teach people how to make their own high res XLRs and RCAs. That'd be fun. That'd be pretty funny. Yeah. That would be pretty funny. That'd be fun. The, uh, yeah, no, it's, and it's also one of those things like it's the more you do it, the easier it gets. Um, um, and it's, it's also amazing. Like, uh, like I'm a big fan of blue jeans cable, um, because they, they offer a lot of value, uh, for what they do. And right. they're also pretty friendly, you know, it, it's been, it's interesting because so many cable companies are kind of like, you should buy the more better expensive one because we make more money. I mean, because it offers a window pane onto the universe of your audio experience and, uh, I mock, um, but not so much. Cause it's, it's kind of, there's, there's a point of incredibly diminishing returns, even if you are a believer in $10,000 speaker cables. Um, but I was, I was laughing at one point cause it, uh, uh, you know, a friend of mine said, you know, one of the reasons those $10,000 speaker cables exist is because uh, in the case of this particular company, um, their distributor in, uh, in Singapore was like, hey, we need something to hit this price point. Um, and if you don't deliver something to hit this price point, then, you know, we're going to go to these guys over here because they have this insanely expensive speaker cable that yields us this insane margin and we like insane margins Mm. Um, and also because in this particular kind of audio community a lot of it's it's less about how amazing this sounds than it is listing off everything and the price of everything that went into it um you know but it's you know when you when you look at like you know canary 4s11 or belden 5000 series um, you know, you're looking at like 10 gauge or 12 gauge speaker wires. I guess technically a Canary 4S11 is like two pair of 14 gauge wire, which you can you can pair the two. You can you either run those, you know, like bi-amped or run them together. So you end up with two, like two 14 gauge for positive and two 14 gauge cables for negative. Um, but it's, it's fun to kind of start to get into this. Um, it also amazes me that there are companies out there that get like $75 for a pair of spade lugs. Uh, or banana terminals, uh, and more power to them. I mean, because you know, if you want to look at some really serious engineering slash mill prawn, um, it's amazing some of the super high end uh, 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 speaker cable like terminations for speaker cables. Yeah. It also laughs me because like then you take like this incredibly like over engineered, magnificently machined speaker cable terminator, this this giant spade lugger or a banana, you know, lug, and then there's like you screw the thing down to hold it into place. And I'm just like, Oh, you're killing me. Like, you know? Right. Well, you know, I I believe that everything matters to, to an extent. So I think that you can definitely get better because we've tested it here, even on this show where we could, we could hear the difference between some speaker wires. It wasn't just, you know, and we could hear the difference between some RCA stuff as well, but it was, it was the difference. It wasn't better or worse. It was just different. It's like a, which crash symbol do you think sounds better? It's like, well, I don't know. That one the Zildjian, man. They're all saying that just because I know there's not a Zildjian crash symbol behind you. (laughs) That's true. That's that's true. But if I listen to, but I could, the the point is, is I could listen to three, uh, Sabian HHX, you know, uh, stage crashes, and they're all going to sound a little bit different, but that doesn't yes. mean they're bad. It's just that's the signature of whatever that exact symbol is. So, um, anyway, 
Um, let's jump into I've uh, I've had this Marantz SR8012 in my in my uh, living room now for a couple of months, and this is their flagship uh, AVR. This is uh, it's about four thousand dollars, and I'm looking at it like let's you know we've got to build a Formula One car. Let's put all of our stuff in this thing, and then we'll see how it trickles down into the actual cars that people buy. Now, if you have the money um, and you fancy a an easy setup, mm-hmm. I really think this is a great unit. I Although I would be inclined to look at the Denon version of this, which is about 20, I want to say it's $2,600 instead of uh, $3,999. But it's got mm-hmm. most of the same stuff. Uh, this thing is a kitchen sink AVR, Dolby Atmos, DTSX, RO3D. So those are all of your height uh, surround formats that that you know include this sort of object based uh, audio. It's got great room correction in the Odyssey XT32. It has all of the 4K upscaling that you would want. So if you have a 4K television, it's got all that stuff. And then all of the streaming stuff that you need, uh, Heos and Wi-Fi and Bluetooth and AirPlay and all the lifestyle kind of uh, streaming. Um, those are all things I think are great because they, they, they do make it a little easier to coexist with something that you're spending a ton of money on where you can just say, hey, I want to listen to blank. And you can tell Alexa, hey, I want to listen to you know, Pandora on the theater and it will play not only on that, um, not that receiver, but it'll play throughout your whole house. So it's got a lifestyle piece as well as being a bomber home theater type setup. That is, that is, so that's all feature wise. Now, implementation wise, I can tell you that it's fine. It was fine. Um, it was fine. I've had an SR 7,009, for a few years now, which has been great. Uh, I could detect literally zero sound difference between the two. Um, however, my SR7009 doesn't have, you know, Alexa capability, and it isn't able to do 4K, and it doesn't have the latest HDMI. So there are definitely some things that that are... Um, I would worry a lot more about 4K than Alexa support. Right, right. <laughs> but you can dip down into Marantz's, you know, uh, sizable offerings and get 4K support, I think, all the way down to their entry level. Yeah. So it becomes the how many speakers do I have and how future proof do I want this to be is the choice. So if you get something that has pre outs, meaning that you can um, you can set up with external amplifiers. You can pretty much do <laughs> whatever version has pre-outs, you know, and then you're good for a yeah. few years as long as it supports 4K. Um, and you can dip as far down as you want. If you wanted a really great, and by the way, by fine, I just mean it sounds great. It's just, it's a great sounding unit. It just wasn't like, oh, this has so much more spaciousness and soundstage and punch than my 7009. Well, it's also, right. I mean, you don't have a, you don't have a, and, and this isn't a slight, but you don't have a super demanding room. You know what I mean? If, if no. there may have been a huge difference, if, you know, your, your, your rooms may be like 15 by 10, 15 by 12. Right. It's, right. You're, you're not, you're not trying to energize a huge volume. Um, my room's not huge. 
but it's 14 by 20 and then it opens off you know it's kind of this old craftsman home where there's sort of a entryway living room and then it opens off in the dining room and it can be really tricky especially for base because i need to uh it ends up being you know the i think of the room as being 20 by 14 but it's actually 20 by 14 with another 14 by 14 off of one corner of it like it's an l shape um you know what I mean? And there's, uh, there's all this extra air. And a friend of mine had, he was, his home theater was in this crazy kind of a classic seventies home with a big uh, cathedral ceiling and his, his living room, I swear to God, my house could fit in his living room. His living room <laughs> probably right. 30 feet on one side, 35 or 40 feet on the other with like a 15 foot ceiling at the peak. And for him to fill that with audio, he's somebody who would probably actually be able to like, yes, I'm going to take all 205 Watts off of this insane overbuilt AVR um, because I need all of it to get up to the voltage. I mean, the, the build quality on it's pretty crazy because they, they, you know, the, the smaller uh, AVR, the, the lower AVRs in their lineup, you know, are still pretty impressive, but they put a big, giant toroidal transformer. Yes, in it. it's um, gorgeous, too. Yeah. Like, it's in the inside of it. It's totally gorgeous. Now, yeah. I know for, like, the 7012, that only has, like, it's it, it'll do preamps for 11.2, but you still need a stereo amp to get, like, the last couple channels onto that. This Is one will do it all out of the gates. Okay. This one so, will do, yeah. and and the um, this is fancy. The the one I was saying before, which is the Denon AVR X sixty four hundred H, that is the um, full K full four K Ultra HD network receiver with Heos. It's the current model, twelve ninety nine for accessory on accessories for less for virtually the same feature set uh, as this one has. And one thing about Denon and Marantz, they share a what I consider to be the best, and, and, and I haven't used everything, but I've used a lot of things, the best setup uh, of an AVR that I've seen in the industry. I haven't used Yamaha's yet, but I've used pretty much everybody else's. And um, they have just a, uh, this, is an this is a complicated device. There's so many mm -hmm. things to, to, to connect um, I think they 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 do a great job. They color code everything, so all the speaker sets are color coded. Like the fronts are a certain color, the mid is certain, or the center is certain color surrounds. And then they have a full walkthrough setup as you buy the AVR to connect to your internet and you know test all the speakers and get all the the audio set right. So it is really pretty bulletproof in that respect. Um, I will say though, I've had a wonky one. This one that I've had has, has had some issues where when I, if I, let's say I'm uh, <clears throat> using my Apple TV, if I walk away from it and the Apple TV goes into sleep mode and I turn it back on and want to go to YouTube, I've got no audio anymore. And then, so I have to shut the AVR off and turn it back on. So it, it right. resets whatever it is. And that could be because I'm using one of the older, like video file um, plasma TVs. It maybe it just doesn't have the 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 communication skill that this mm -hmm. that this AVR needs, um, and you could also go with the Anthem eleven twenty, which I also had for a while. But I think it's a no brainer for me. If I'm if I I think this is a great device. If you need something that is a uh, a monster and is going to really be the centerpiece of your home theater for the next few years, I think it's a great buy. If you are bang for the buck conscious. I probably go with the Denon AVR six, X sixty four hundred, um, and then 
you know, if you're a glutton for punishment, you could go with the Anthem 1120, but it doesn't have any of the bells and whistles. So um, overall, I'm giving it a thumbs up because I think it just sounds great. But if you don't need the features, meaning you don't need 4K for now, if you have a 1080p television, I would 100% be looking for an, you know, an SR710 or 7011 um, from last year or the year before and be stoked about it because it's going to sound great. It's going to sound just like this one. It's just not going to have the same uh, little feature set to it. So there you have it. There's my review. <laughs> you heard so. a bit of it. We heard a little bit of the um, the uh, Dolby Atmos disc. Sounds great. I thought you know. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's amazing. It's it's amazing how good it can sound. Um, how good it can sound when everything's properly configured up. Um, you know, I, it's it's funny because like I've heard Atmos where you know the opening scene to Gravity is is like that was the moment I was like oh. Yeah, most is cool. I need um, to. I don't. I don't own that. I need to get that one. I want to hear um, that. It's yeah. That that scene is just so crazy um, because stuff happens in space, moving in every direction at once. Mm. It's kind of uh, it's kind of the ideal uh, test. It, it's it's a fantastic test for Atmos. Um, and the place I heard it in was actually the first place I heard Atmos was actually inside of Dolby Labs, one of their test rooms you know, with several zillion dollars worth of full call speakers wow. and in-sealing, like four channels of in-sealing speakers. And uh, um, it, uh, it's kind of amazing to hear how this stuff works um, when it's working properly. Because I've also heard a lot of, uh, I've also heard a lot of implementations, you know, it's really hard to bounce. It's harder than it should be to bounce Atmos off of the ceiling. And if you have like a popcorn ceiling, then Atmos comes like off the speaker, you know, off the front left or right channel hits the ceiling and then disperses when it hits all the popcorn on the ceiling. So uh, it was a, there was a hotel room demo a friend of mine was working on that I think just about killed uh, him and his team trying to figure out how to make it function properly um, because of the, uh, because of the issues literally with the ceiling. So, Mm. um, so I've, we've got a couple of questions that we could get to. Um, Are you on the, uh, the dock? I am on the dock. I have a couple of minutes where I have to uh, fulfill my the remainder of my fatherly duties. <laughs> okay. Uh, so why don't we just we'll tackle this first one, and sure. then the second one is is uh, the, he wrote a book, so we can just pull one little uh, section out of it. But uh, Matthew says, "Just found your podcast. Dig it a lot. I have a problem. I'm a long time uh, high res car audio nut, uh, and I do love my double twelve SVS home sub a lot." <laughs> Here's my issue. I live in Beaver, Oklahoma. I'm all by myself in the middle of nowhere, and really no one around me is into audio gear. It's been so long since I've heard another great-sounding car or home setup. I've kind of forgotten what good sounds like. How can I find good reference uh, to base not only my multi-purpose home setup, but uh, SQ gear in my truck? And my suggestion, um, Matthew, which I think Patrick will probably agree with, is that you should get to an event. Uh, the next event that's coming up is going to be, in, is it next week, I think? Rocky Mountain Audio Fest in Colorado yeah. is coming up. But if not, then it's, um, uh, what is it, CES? And then we've got Expona in Chicago. There's a couple of the LA events that are coming up. Um, you got to get to an event. That's the deal, right? Don't you think? An event or a really good dealer. Um, I mean, I'll be honest with you. There's a there's a Magnolia Audio. 
uh, look, there's a Magnolia Audio in uh, Magnolia Design Center in Oklahoma City. I mean, my first thought would be like, how far is it from Beaver to Oklahoma City? Right. Um, there's a song in there somewhere. There's, yeah, a, there's, a, there's a country song in there somewhere. There's a, there's a country song that will never die in there somewhere. Um, but I mean, the first thing I would do is, is, you know, I'd probably find out who's in Oklahoma City. And uh, one way to do that is look at some of the brands you're curious about or look for Focal or B&W or Paradigm and look for where they are available for sale. They'll have Oklahoma City's a big city. It is. Um, so he's three and a half hours. That's uh, worth it. It's, it is what? worth it. That's a day. That's a, a that's a get up at 6 a.m. You're there yeah. by, you know, noon. You get to listen to some stuff. And then you're off to the races. Yeah. Or, or geez, I mean, you know, you know, go out there for a Saturday and, and, uh, and, uh, you know, get an actual gig, you know, take a Friday night, go there on a Saturday, take a day off from work. You know, it's not like you can get a cheap hotel room in Oklahoma city pretty easily, uh, on most nights, but at the very least find a Magnolia design center or a Magnolia inside of a Best Buy. Cause they'll, they'll have a whole bunch of high quality speakers in there. Is it the optimal setup? Absolutely not. No, uh, but they will have at least one room that is set up with some world-class gear. And that is fairly well configured. And if you can find a really serious uh, home theater or audio place, like find out every, like start with a Magnolia, find out whatever else is there um, and start like meeting people on the forums and stuff. Cause you, you know, there may be somebody in Oklahoma city who's got a badass system that, that they'll let you come listen to. But um, yeah. And, and I'm, 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 I'm with Mike. Like, it's amazing. You go to, you know, it, some, some demos are better than others. Some rooms work for demos better than others. I've heard some gear I know is fantastic sound like crap because hotel rooms are really difficult environments. Um, but yeah, get to Rocky Mountain Audio Fest, get to Oxpona, get to, you know, one of the shows. If you're into headphones, get to one of the Can Jam shows. Um, uh, here's another one. Um, audio, audio Dimensions in Oklahoma City is, is the place. I'm looking at it right now. They've got Control 4. Yeah. They've got, you know, all kinds of... I'm seeing all this beautiful high-end stuff. And these guys do big-time installations as well. Because mm -hmm. one thing I would say about um, about Magnolia is it's still Best Buy, and you're just going to get whoever's working that day in Magnolia, and they're going to know a little bit about it. But Mostly, here's the thing. I don't... I, I Sorry, I'll let you finish. I was going to say, <laughs> uh, the, the, a place like this where you can actually make an appointment and, and have a listen is going to be a little, a little more boutique and a little more customized to you. And you'll be yeah. able to kind of, you know, um, I would definitely bring your own music if you can on like a flash drive, bring some high res files that you know well um, and bring them to both and just plan on spending, you know, an hour at each place. And, and really dig in. Sorry. So go ahead. What were you just going to say? No, I was going to say yeah, some of the best and worst experiences I've ever had demoing audio gear have been in um, specialty audio shops. Well, that's true. You know, it's it's less of an issue now than it was when I was, you know, very, very young. Um, like, you know, uh, I got... You know, I got trash talk so bad in one place by one of the salespeople. When I bought my speakers somewhere else, I came back, found the manager, and showed him the receipt and said, I would have bought the speakers here, but that guy is a jerk. Because, um, <laughs> like, you know, I was like, I was 22, you know, I, I looked scruffy, and this guy basically treated me like crap and told me my music was bullshit. Well, they're all jerks. That's why we do this show. They're not That's all the jerks, whole point but some of, of this some of them, podcast. Some of them are amazing. Is that they're assholes. But I mean, like, but I also had a guy like I've had some formative experiences where people are like, you know, put me in a room, said, don't blow the speakers out and, and listen to whatever you need to listen to. Um, but it, right. yeah, I mean, it's, it's but I mean, some of these guys, 
you know, some of these guys, they're really talented salespeople and they're really there. A lot of them are amazing, but some of these guys are really talented salespeople that are working on commission and they will roll you for everything they can take. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. You and know, they just, just uh, and, and a lot of them aren't plugged in to what's going on right now. So they have their three favorite pieces of gear, and those are the that's the gear that they recommend to everybody. Um, and they so play that's, the Diana Crawl song, and yeah, the right? Song. Yeah, exactly. And I know those people as well. Um, finally, uh, the uh, this last one from Christopher Hughes, Christopher Hughes. This is an interesting question that we've never really addressed, but I think you'll probably have an input on it. Which was, he, he said, "I'd like to hear your input." Um, on building your system in reverse, do you start with your speakers and then go back to the amp, back to the source? I've heard that's the right way to do it. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, I would love your opinion on that. I think it is the right way. I think the speakers feel, to me, the speakers feel like 80% of the experience, and then you then you go the other way. Um, but I'm curious about what you think of that, that concept. I feel like 90% of the audio is the source and 90% of the, what really? I mean, source can be the actual audio files. Hold on. I'm not yeah. Ninety percent of the audio, like the source files, and the other ninety percent of the audio is the speakers. Um, well, you said ninety percent and ninety percent. Yeah, um, you know, <laughs> and then like I'm not sure how also, you did in math. Uh, terribly, I'm a literature major, um, and I work with computers for a living. Go figure. Um, but it's like I, I think having, but it's also because like the number of times I've told somebody like, this is exciting. You want to buy headphones. Go pay for the premium tier of Spotify. Go get title lossless. Go buy a bunch of CDs and rip them to flack. Because if you've been listening to Pandora over earbuds on right. your cell phone, you have no idea what's actually in your music files. Like I right. see you squeezing your eyeballs right now because like that pained look like, it oh does. God, that, that hurts. That hurts like me. 118 kilometers. Like I had a friend of mine who's like, this sounds amazing. I'm like, yes. You know, this is what you're, you know, just, just simply by stepping up on your source material. Uh, I've said those words, by the way, this week. Yeah. Like three times to people. Yeah. Don't tell Uh, me like you're really into music and music moves you and then go listen to your Apple earbuds or a Bluetooth speaker. You're not not allowed to do that. Bob Marley is still Bob Marley through one shattered speaker in the, in the, you know, in the, in the dashboard of us. Okay. So all things being equal, let's assume the, the, the files are fine. Right. Let's talk, let's talk hardware. You know, I, it's, it's funny, like start with something, right. I, it, 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 for me, yeah. The, the speakers I think are the, are, are going to do, cause they, they turn the electrical impulses into the movement that moves the air that hits your eardrums. Right. So speakers and, and getting them placed properly in the room and making sure the room's not too hard or has some dispersion inside of it. Those are huge. I don't, you know what I mean? But for me, it's like, I don't particularly care which direction you move it in. Cause if you have a bunch of, um, if you have a bunch of, it, basically for me, it's like get to know the gear you have with the best source material you can get, and then go to Rocky Mountain Audio Fest or go to your local audio store. And at some point, like there's this facial expression you get that's really awesome, like <laughs> like you. But but like when you put on those uh, when you put on those Mr. Speakers, um, the electrostatics, um, the the uh, uh, yeah yeah, uh, you know those are like yeah, and you were just like. You know, you're yeah, like, oh, this, this is why I'm yes. 27,000 headphones today. Right. 26,993 yes, exactly. of which I was like, oh, but yes. these, these I will conquer and take home. Um, That's right. You know, the, uh, and, and that for me, it's, it's, you know, you figure out like for me, part of the reason I have this crazy 
you know, 120 watt per channel ATI amplifiers. Like fundamentally, I never have to buy until it blows up. Like I never have to buy another amplifier. Right. Um, You're good. You got that out of the way. Voce. That's the electrostatic headphones from Mr. Speakers. And, you know, I mean, technically, you know, I mean, it's, 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 it's a wire with gain. It doesn't add anything to the signal. It is stupid powerful. It can drive any speaker I'm likely to bring home unless somebody starts building two ohm speakers in the future. And even then I'd probably throw it at a two ohm speaker Hmm. just to see which lost. Um, (laughs) Just watch things smoke. Yeah. um, You know, listen to something. And when you hear something that makes you go, this is so much better than what I have, then, then. Yeah. Yeah. So you go, but I'm going to still say, I agree. I think you get the speakers, you get the best speakers you can afford first. And then you, then you, I think to me, the amplifier feels like the least important part. And then the preamp is the next. As long as the, as long as your amp can actually drive your speakers, because right. there's a lot of stuff like those those Elac Unifies aren't nearly as good if you don't have the power to drive them. A set of Magna Planar speakers right. sound atrocious if you don't have a big honking you know diesel train of an amplifier. Right, right, yeah. right. Uh, well, Patrick, go be a dad, and uh, you have all now listened to a <laughs> one hour long version of a half hour beginner audio file, and uh, welcome to how every episode has been in the history of the show. Um, Please go listen to some high-resolution music on something, whether it's your phone or uh, your speakers and your neighbors have to yell at you or whatever. Please go check out Tech Thing, T-E-K-T-H-I-N-G with Mr. Patrick Norton, as well as A-V-X-C-E-L. That's E-X-C-E-L. Isn't that correct, Patrick? Is that right? Is he gone now? I think he's gone now. Okay. Anyway, A-V-X-C-E-L is where Patrick is. And um, and as far as you guys go, thanks for following us on Instagram at Beginner Audiophile. And uh, please send your listener questions to that very same Instagram account. Okay? Talk soon. Thanks for listening to Beginner Audiophile. For gear giveaways and answers to your questions, join our mailing list at BeginnerAudiophile.com. Tag pictures of your audio setup to at Beginner Audiophile on Instagram. Until next time, keep experiencing great music.